Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Charity Charge Show. Today, I am honored to have with us David Street, who is the Strategic Director of Next Gen Leadership for Bread for the World. David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Stephen, thank you so much for having me, man. It's good to be with you. <laughs> well, likewise. And you're near my uh, kind of my old stomping grounds. You're based in D.C. I grew up in the Baltimore County area. So that's always cool, but I'm recording here from Austin, Texas, where I've lived for the past 12 years or so. So David, tell us about, let's just start with Bread for the World. Can you tell us a little about the organization and talk about what, what your role is? What does next-gen leadership mean? Absolutely. Um, Stephen, thanks again for, for having me on your show and your platform. I mean, the work that you're doing uh, is amazing. And so I know that uh, these platforms are crucial to getting visibility to people's works and they're nonprofits. So thank you for being a leader in this space. Uh, Bread for the World is a nonprofit organization. We've been around for close to 45 years now. And um, we're a faith-based nonprofit that advocates on all things hunger and poverty. Um, we truly believe that um, our communities, our, our um, communities of faith, um, community organizations, people power, uh, can end hunger in our lifetimes. And so we work uh, primarily at the federal level, um, advocating and, and lobbying uh, our congressmen and senators uh, to, to make sure that they're passing legislation that helps alleviate hunger here in America and abroad. Um, so what I do, I came to Bread for the World maybe five years ago and uh, started as a deputy director. Now I'm a strategic director of Next uh, Gen Leadership and Engagement. So essentially, I'm cultivating the next group of, of, of hunger activists uh, who, who see hunger as an issue that they're passionate about, who see hunger connected to so many other issues. I mean, climate change and um, education and all those things. Uh, hunger uh, is connected in one way, shape, or form. And so I'm working with, with churches and faith groups and young people uh, who just want to build their leadership skills, who are doing amazing stuff, who, who believe that they can use their, their platforms and their voice to do uh, some great stuff in their neighborhoods and communities. And I'm a resource and thought partner for them. And we've been, we've been pretty successful at what we do. <laughs> That's great. Are there any either notable achievements or, you know, certain aspects of the programming that you've built up that you're proud of. And part of the context that I'm asking this question is since we work with so many different organizations of varying sizes, right? Some, there's some listeners to the podcast that are executive directors that are just starting their nonprofit. And there are others that are in you know, various roles, maybe an organization that kind of is as old as yours, but rethinking how we're going to do their whole next gen thing. What what kind of advice and what kind of wins have you guys had and what have you learned? Yeah, I think the first thing uh, for us is just being intentional about creating space from within. Um, I think oftentimes nonprofits will, um, you know, go out and fundraise and 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 try to do a whole bunch of activities and events that they think will attract young people, and they probably will. Um, but, but really creating spaces where meaningful relationships and learning can happen uh, is where you want to start. And admittedly, it's a slow cook. I mean, uh, I've been doing this type of work, this next gen organizing for maybe three or four years in bread and outside of bread. And so building meaningful relationships are important. I look at my role at Bread for the World as simply 
um, how can I leverage Bread's platform uh, to really highlight what young people are already doing in their communities? As you know, social media is a powerful tool. In our generation, we utilize it every day, not just for our personal lives, but for issues that are incredibly important to us. And so I'm trying to connect, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where, 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 where are the people that we need to partner with? Who's not already at our table that's out there connected, that's out there grinding, that's out there working, that we can collaborate and partner with and learn from? And so I uh, look, at, look at myself as a bridge between Bread's universe and the universe of millennials and Gen Zers who are you know, in this country, abroad, um, but they're just doing fantastic stuff in their communities. So for organizations who are looking to engage young people, be intentional about, you know, okay, do we, are we structured for this? You know, I mean, do we have the space? Do we have the people who are passionate about just, you know, talking to young folks and, and working with young professionals and being challenged in some areas? I think those are conversations that you need to have early on. You talked about seeking partners and just trying to find other like-minded organizations. Yeah. It's been interesting to me what some of the conversations I've had with nonprofit leaders that have really struggled to put together win-win partnerships. And it the data starts to show you when you look at it that a lot of organizations really struggle to partner together. I'm just curious if there's an anecdote or an example of a successful partnership that um, <clears throat> the Bread for the World has been able to put together. And if you could talk about, you know, why that was a win-win. Sure. Uh, I would probably point, Stephen, to some of the work that we've, we've been doing on college campuses. Um, college campuses are probably one of those environments where um, if you're not engaging, uh, you're going to be fleeting quick because you're dealing with students who are taking class, they're involved in extracurriculars, they're trying to uh, volunteer, get internships and all. Um, so uh, the work that we've been doing in college campuses has been impressive in my opinion. I'll give you an example. We uh, partnered with Barry University, one of our colleges, Barry University, which is located in Miami, Florida. And um, we wanted to build out an organizing cohort. And um, um, the good thing about Bread is that we have some tools um, that, that people come to our website and all for, uh, but in co-creating, right, with the students and the faculty there saying, hey, this is what we can offer, uh, but how can we make it germane to Barry? How can we make it germane to the city of Miami? Uh, that partnership um, just took off really quickly. In year three, we, were, uh, we received their Community Partner Award. Uh, we have had about five cohorts, uh, organizing cohorts of students work with us. And that work looks like everything from having race equities uh, conversations in their community to, to letter writing campaigns with churches to, to meeting uh, on Zoom with uh, Senator Marco Rubio to talk about hunger. And so those are some of the successes that I will point to is that we're building up um, good partnerships with, with, with colleges and universities and not just with their students, but with their administration and faculty as well because they're, those are gonna be the people that uh, are on the campuses long-term as students come or go. You wanna make sure that you are uh, meeting and building with those professors and admin uh, to keep the partnership alive and well. And so I feel like we've been doing both. Uh, the work that we've been doing in South, South Florida is certainly a model. We're now working in, at Auburn University with Universities Against World Hunger and we're working with historically black colleges and universities now um, as the farm bill is coming up next year. So I will point to 
to the work that we're doing on uh, on the college level. <laughs> and let me ask you, David, one of the big things that organizations are trying to figure out is how are they utilizing fundraising? Basically, what I'm getting is how are they attracting the younger generation? So as your as Bread for the World is partnering in with these colleges and universities, getting involvement, engagement with the students, is there any sort of programming or ways that, that students can get involved or stay a part of the Bread for the World community once they graduate and become young professionals? Well, we're working on that now. We were fortunate enough to receive a grant last year, um, which will help us kind of think through what that engagement looks like. Mm -hmm. Some organizations have, and I'm sure you're familiar, Stephen, with like junior boards of junior board mm -hmm. is where they're not necessarily at the, the senior advisory level, but they're kind of with their peers and all. Um, you have other type of cohorts now where young professionals are coming together under the umbrella of an organization uh, for the intensive networking, learning, uh, and growing together and sharing best practices. So those are the things that, that Brad is kind of leaning into, and those are places that I myself either have participated or seen it done well. I think though, when you mentioned fundraising, I get really excited about that because um, millennials, we're right behind baby boomers as far as um, just sheer numbers um, mm -hmm. on uh, the baby boomer generation when it comes to uh, spending and all. And so when you think about uh, where the, the, the philanthropy is gonna come from over the next 30 or 40 years, is really going to be with millennials. And so building those relationships now um, are going to be crucial. And millennials are getting older. You know, we're, we're, we're having families, we're settling down, we're advancing further in our careers, which means we may have more disposable income uh, to, to, to bless or to give uh, to a charity or, or a cause that we find noteworthy. And so making sure that you target millennials in a meaningful way early on could provide decades of dividends later on. That's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that. I also want to point out, because as I'm looking, I can see the diplomas behind you. David, you are very well-educated man. Um, and what I think is so awesome, you hold the master's in theology from Wesley Theological Seminary. Can you just share on like a personal level like what that experience was like and, and why you chose to go down that path and get your master's? Oh, man, Stephen, it's a whole story behind that. Uh, initially, I didn't want to go to seminary. I was actually slated to go to uh, George Washington University for their uh, MPA program, Master's of Public Administration. And um, I had been doing some volunteer work with a, with a church here in D.C. and um, really felt the connection between uh, what faith can do and what community service can do. And uh, I stumbled upon Wesley's website and they had this thing called the urban. And I said, Oh, wow, this sounds interesting. And it was cut out the urban, what the urban fellows. Okay. Um, it, it's like, wow, this, this sounds interesting. Urban fellows, urban ministry. What is this? And um, it was the perfect blend of, of, of ministry and politics and community engagement. And so instead of going to, to, to George Washington and ended up going to Wesley theological and meeting some incredible uh, community leaders, faith leaders, professors um, who are using their faith in meaningful ways at the nonprofit level, corporate level, or just grassroots level. And so I'm, I'm grateful that I made that decision. That's awesome. Wonderful. Talk to us. I know also you are the founder of a handful of other organizations, including yeah. um, 
well, you're the executive director for, for Penn, Promote, Enrich, and Nurture, and DMV, yeah. And DMV. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of cheating here. I'm looking at some of the show notes and stuff. But, uh, but talk to us a little bit about those two organizations and you got a lot going on. Why are you so passionate about doing this? Penn DMV really started, um, you have a light bulb moment, Stephen. I know you've probably had tons of them. Um, as I'm doing <laughs> the stuff that you're involved in, right? But a moment, uh, maybe five years ago, I was volunteering at a local boys and girls club. And um, yeah, I'm surrounded by 15, 20 young men, high schoolers. So Stephen, as you can imagine, all types of energy, people are loud, just, just all over the place. And, and what I noticed was that half of the uh, room were, were on their phone. They're, they're, you know, talking to each other, but they're, they're glancing down. And so I said, I could keep telling these guys to put their phones away, or I could figure out how to incorporate the phones <laughs> into my life. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where uh, Penn DMV really started, starting in that moment. And since then, uh, really been focused in on teaching students uh, the do's and don'ts of uh, leadership on social media and digital platforms. And so uh, we run this, this, uh, this uh, mini week uh, program here in DC called Would You Follow You? And we talk about each social media platform and really get students to see what bullying looks like, what decision-making looks like, what decision-making look like, looks like on social media. Uh, come 2020, this thing called COVID hits. And so we pivoted just a little bit. Uh, one thing that we realized is that some of our students were just struggling online. The virtual thing, man, it hit some students harder than others. And so um, we've, we've kind of pivoted to what we're calling a new norm workshop where um, we teach students how to build confidence and what the best practices are when it comes to online learning and work. As you know, I mean, so many jobs now are letting you work remote. Uh, long as we're completely remote, charity charge, yeah. completely remote. Exactly. I mean, look at us, right? Like, you know, just give us a Wi-Fi and a, and a silent space and we can make it happen. Um, but we've been doing this for a while. We, we've had other experiences that have prepped us for it. Some young people haven't. And so we just want to make sure that they have the confidence to, to conduct a Zoom meeting, to participate meaningful in a Zoom meeting, um, to do the different things that um, uh, you need to do if you want to get a career or a job uh, in this space, in the virtual space. So building up that confidence, giving them the best practices so they can thrive. And so that's where Penn DMV uh, does. We're blessed, man. Steve, we got partnerships with United Way uh, of, of Washington, D.C., uh, Facebook, uh, which is now known as Meta, um, and one of our sponsors here uh, in D.C., uh, as well as other foundations, local foundations uh, that, that are really poured and invested into our program. That's awesome. Wow, congratulations. And, and how, talk, talk to us about, we, you know, we, we, we work with a lot of either organizations that are brand new or people that are have a light bulb moment, but are trying to figure out what are the next steps to gain their nonprofit organization off the ground. Um, talk to us a little bit about your structure and, and do you have a board? And if so, what have you looked out for in putting together and recruiting that board and kind of in the lens, if you're thinking about if you were to do it over again, if you were starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Very intentional about, uh, how we started the nonprofit. I mean, there, 
you know, people are just going on all types of websites now and you can get your nonprofit off the ground in three to six months. Uh, it took mine a year, Fin <laughs> DMV a year to get off the ground. And that's because I interviewed people who had already had nonprofits, who were already doing it, who are already in a similar space um, and just asked a whole bunch of questions. And so I had to have done about eight or 10, eight to 10 interviews with, with, with people who had small to medium sized nonprofits. I've worked mm -hmm. profit all my life, so I've been able to tap into to, 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 to the vast of knowledge from colleagues, et cetera, and, and then just doing other types of research, uh, and then bringing people together and asking questions and all. So it took about a year process um, before we, we filed the paperwork and all that stuff. But by then, we knew what our mission was going to be. Uh, by then, we knew you know who from that advisory board doing the planning process would transfer into the, the, the board of directors and all that stuff. Uh, we had acquired seed funding. So it wasn't just like we existed on paper. Uh, we had actually acquired some seed funding uh, from a couple of local churches. Um, so that was good. So I would tell people, do your homework, um, reach out to people. Don't just jump in there, um, figure out if you have a niche. And, and if there isn't a niche, you know, create one. Uh, I have a board of directors. Uh, one, one thing that I've been intentional about is really trying to balance it out amongst age. Um, I, I, have, I'm, I have a lot of colleagues my age who are doing brilliant things, uh, but I find that there's a lot of wisdom in older people who are retired, who have a little mm -hmm. bit of time on their hands um, to, to, to lend to volunteering and in reviewing grants and other documents and stuff like that. So I have about three or four retirees on my board um, who've you know, done their career, but they have a little bit more time to help us out because my board is a working board for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and to close out here, actually, let's, let's talk about that because I think the board, is something that's that's so critical to an organization. And I think that unfortunately a lot of organizations don't nail it, but when you do, it can just be phenomenal. Talk to us about what a working board means. Yeah. Well, I mean, first things first, right? That working board has to be out there hustling with you to get some money. Um, they have to, you know, be doing some prospecting and all those different types of things. My board actually pays dues each year along with helping us um, introdu uh, introduce me and, and Penn DMV uh, to other means of, of, of revenue streams. And so that, that's the first thing, make sure that you have people who have a willingness there to, to, to open up not just their, their wallets, uh, but even their networks. Uh, second thing is, and this is why you have the mix, right? Uh, you know, your working board can help you with your programming. Uh, they can help you with the admin stuff. Um, if you have a working board, you, you have somebody who can review uh, a grant <laughs> a mm -hmm. document, which saves you money because now you don't have to go out and hire a grant writer because you have yep. someone who has the expertise to do it or program management. You have someone that is looking at your survey questions to make sure you're asking the right thing. So when you do go for the grant, you have all your information, statistics, the whys and what's nots there and is looking uh, sharp uh, and, and, and edible to a uh, to a funder. And so that's what I mean by a working board. They're not just there to give you advice and say, you ought to be doing this, but uh, they're actually lending their expertise um, by doing some stuff with you. 
That's awesome. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I think that the, you know, nonprofits exist and serve an unbelievable role in society. Yeah. And I'm for how to make, make those organizations be better, be managed mm-hmm. better, financed better, led better. And that, that board piece, I think if nonprofits can nail that, it's unbelievable the extra incremental impact that could happen. Oh, for sure. And one thing too is board, you know, board recruiting, because uh, I think that often gets overlooked. People have lives. They say, hey, you know what? This was a season. I, I volunteered. I've done my part. I want to step down. And so how do you replace uh, those individuals who after a couple of years, they just want to go on and do something different? Um, and so that that's a piece too that I think nonprofits who are just starting or who've been around for a while are often wrestling with, you know, board turnover and what does that mean for the organization? Because some of these people have institutional knowledge, some of these people have important financial connections. And so you want to make sure that you have a strategy there uh, for your board retention and turnover. And I got to say, Stephen, uh, again, being on platforms like this for small nonprofits like myself and and for some of the bigger ones like Bread for the World, it's incredibly important. Um, visibility to be in front of audiences and people that um, you probably would never meet or get a chance to be introduced to, but because of technology and because of people like you, um, we're able to kind of get our voice and our message out a little bit further. So, man, I'm, thanks for having us on, having me on, man. This is this is dope what you're doing, bro. Well, it's my pleasure, and it's such a great medium the way just the world is today with Zoom and all the digital capabilities to be able to meet amazing people like yourself. This is my favorite thing as I've been scaling Charity Charge and been able to hire a great team to handle the day-to-day stuff. And I've had more free time. I love being able to have conversations and then you're just really inspirational. It's awesome what you're doing. David, um, for either of the organizations that we talked about, um, whether Penn, DMV or Bread, how can people get involved, find you guys, support y'all, learn more? For Bread for the World, I mean, just simply go to bread.org. Pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Um, you can peruse our website. Um, you can connect with one of the, our, one of the members of our organizing team. Um, we, we are based in pretty much every region and in a couple of states. And so depending on where you are, um, you may be able to connect with the organizer in person or or maybe doing one of our regional get-togethers and all. Uh, I can't stress enough the work that Bread for the World is doing right now at the national level, particularly coming out of COVID and with everything going on in the world, we really wanna make sure that um, communities and neighborhoods and people have the resources that they need to weather these tough times. And so whether it's us advocating for the child tax credit or last year increase in SNAP or, or just providing people with fact sheets of, around what they can do to, 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 to make their voices be heard in their communities. Uh, Bread is really leading the charge there. And again, we are targeting younger people too. So there's a space for, for, for millennials, for Gen Zers uh, who say, hey, you know what, let me, let me uh, figure this out. I would love to volunteer. I would love to get involved. I can lead a meeting with a congressman. I can send out a couple of emails. I, uh, I can hop on social media and do some stuff. Uh, we welcome that um, because we're doing some incredible things at Bread. That's awesome. Appreciate you sharing all of everything that you did. What about um, what about Penn DMV? 
NDMV, NDMV.org is straightforward. Uh, website will be updated, but most of the information will, will, will be the same. When I say updated, we just want to throw some, some uh, newer uh, photos and videos up there. Um, but we have impact reports. We have testimonials from students, uh, the whole nine. Um, so um, with Penn DMV, with it being a smaller organization, uh, I always unapologetically ask people to make a donation. Um, you know, it, it is tax refundable. Uh, so please make a donation because it 100% of it goes to the snacks, it goes to the program managers, it goes to the incentives that we use to run programming year long with students here in Washington, DC. That's awesome. We will be supporting you as well. So I'll, I'll be following up with you, but I, I want us to, to do something to, to contribute and help you guys continue to do the work that you're doing. David, thank you so much for coming on as a guest and being on this episode of the Charity Charge Show. Everyone who's been listening, we've had the pleasure to interview David Street today. Thank you. Oh man, thank you. The pleasure's all mine, bro. <laughs> for all the listeners, thank you so much for continuing to tune into the Charity Charge Show. Greatly appreciate you checking us out. Take care for now.